What happens at laser tag never stays at laser tag. Laser. Laser unfocused tag talk. Laser unfocused tag talk. I feel like you could be like in Ghostbusters or something. Oh my god, you have got some stories. Let's talk about laser tag. Who knew you were a laser tag legend? Time to get laser unfocused. Tag talk with Tivia. Welcome to Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hi, I'm Tivia. Today, we get a unique perspective on Lasertron from Brad Pockin, who is ready to share his personal advice and experience. So I'd like to welcome Brad Pockin to join me now for some Laser Unfocused Tag Talk. Hi, Brad. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Excellent. So maybe we can start by just a little introduction, and I wonder if you can tell me a little bit about your yourself, your laser tag background, and uh, you know, kind of what brought you to laser tag. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have been playing video games my entire life, um, and that's sort of just cascaded into current hobbies: video games, game development with Lasertron, all that kind of stuff. Um, initially started playing laser tag there way back in middle school, 2006 ish, um, went for like a field trip one night, ended up absolutely loving it. Been going ever since applied there to work prior to going to college. Didn't get it for that summer. So I was just like, nah, it's fine. Went to study, uh, study forensics in school, uh, worked in DNA lab for a little bit, uh, but prior to that and after college, went back to see if I could work there again. Knew a handful of people there, not a ton, um, but then, you know, got the job there, worked there that summer. Absolutely loved it. Sort of started with as a referee, played during their uh, special ops nights, doing the different game formats and, you know, playing the game in a handful of different ways. And then... Went to work at the DNA lab. That didn't work out so great. Came back a year later and then just started working my way up through managerial um, all the way up to assistant general manager um, until recently. Um, I have now uh, moved on to Thermo Fisher Scientific um, and I am a customer excellence representative there. But still dabble a little bit with uh, helping set up the games in the arena or if they're rolling new features out. Um, I go and help it every now and then to try and get some stuff up and running. Well, very good. So is Lasertron the only laser tag you play or have you dabbled in any other systems? That's all I've played for the most part. I believe there at one point there was a skate land out here somewhere in Buffalo area. Had like the barcode scanners and the headphones. I don't dorm. know. Okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> I was like, if anybody knew, I'm sure it would be you. But yeah, I haven't played in too many. Um, Cassidy's been trying to get me to go to Syracuse to do, I believe it's Force out there. Laser Force. Um, I have sort of looked into different systems. Um, I'm very intrigued to play other ones, but just never had the time to do so until as of late. Well, then we're going to zero in on your expertise in Lasertron specifically, sure. um, but everybody has a code name. So let's start with what's your code name and what does it represent to you? Uh, my code name is Cryonos. Um, it was something that I came up with a while ago. I initially wanted Kronos um, for DD of time, but that was taken at the time. So I was like, okay, like cryo something, cryo core, something along those lines. And then that was taken. So I was like, all right, just throw the two together. And I'm like, eh, it loosely translates to freezing time. Why not? So that's where that came from. And it's stuck ever since. Very good. 
And with all of these years, both being a player and an employee, uh, I wonder what is your biggest claim to fame in Lasertron? Probably uh, it was more of as an employee. I didn't get to do too much as a player per se um, with uh, the Battle Royale that they're currently running. Um, way back pre-COVID when Battle Royale started taking off, like Fortnite just released its Battle Royale in like summer 2019. I went to Jim, the owner, and I was like, hey, you've got this game format in the system that's really close to these battle royales. If you add in two or three different settings, you've got a battle royale and you can start running that because they're like on the rise and like you should get on this train as soon as you can. And it kind of just like it was an email that got sent out and it was one of the many that he gets daily. So it was kind of like, a, oh, all right, idea. We'll put that on the back burner but the reason why that then came about is well we finally figured out i say we like i'm still there they <laughs> figured out at the time um how to do an elimination style game without removing players from the play field once they're eliminated Lasertron has an elimination format. It has a zombies format. It has all these different things that you can play with. But in an elimination style game, if you go into a half hour session, uh, for example, you go in, you charge up, you have seven energy units and 300 laser pulses. Every time you get tagged, you get a three second shield. And once you're eliminated, you're just out until the game ends. Well, if you marketed a half hour game time and you paid for that, but you're playing elimination and you only get five or six minutes of viable playtime because you're not the best player in the world that doesn't really work people mm -hmm. enjoy the game some people really enjoy elimination and uh, that's great but it's not for everybody so how do you market that while still being able to play that type of game well zombies whenever you get eliminated you turn from the green human player to a red zombie and then you can go and recharge as many times as necessary well i took that base game and i was like hey if you add there are no zombies at the start of the game everybody can tag each other and you have like a 10 second shield at the start of the game to get away from people you got a battle royale and then developed the entirety of what the battle royale is today because i initially stated hey, you, you can take eliminated players and let them keep playing the game. Mm -hmm. And then that's what sparked, okay, it's Storm players. You get eliminated, you turn purple, you continue your playing. So that idea of the Storm players is what I would like to say my claim to fame is because that's what then sparked the Battle Royale, which allowed Lasertron to be open during the pandemic, which many places were just not able to do. So we could say, Social distancing is built into this game because you're starting at your own sector. We already had our five foot rule, so let's make it six and go from there. But that game format then allowed us to continue to operate throughout that. Now, I played in a couple of those uh, battle royale tournaments. And so I understand the terminology you're talking about. But when you say storm players, just to not confuse that with laser storm players could oh, you yes. explain for somebody who hasn't played Lasertron or hasn't played battle royale could you just explain the mechanics of a battle royale game yeah absolutely so everybody when they walk into the arena their pack assigns them to a sector 
If you are playing a squad game, which you can have up to four players in your squad, your entire squad goes to the same sector or recharger in order to start the game. Once everybody's at their sectors or close to it, the game will give a three-second countdown. Your pack lights up and charges green. When you recharge, you get something like 300 laser pulses and 65 energy units, something along those lines. And your goal is for your squad to be the last team standing. You do that simply by tagging every other player that you see in the arena. Simple as that. General concepts easy. Once you get eliminated by either running out of your energy units um, or if the tag clock on the back of your timer reaches zero seconds, you have a timer that's constantly counting down, you reset it by tagging another player. Um, if it hits zero or if you run out of energy units, your pack will turn purple and you get deactivated essentially as a green player, but you become a storm player. And they call that purple storm, correct? Correct. Um, the purple storm can then recharge at any of the purple sectors in the arena. And as the game goes on, more and more of those purple sectors turn on. So they have more places to recharge at start of uh, sort of starts at the outside of the arena and moves toward the center, similar to how other battle royales do it, where it closes down the playable area of the arena. The only difference is with the storm players, the purple storm, they're able to kind of enact their vengeance. They're out of the running for the uh, sole survivor or the last green team standing. But if you got eliminated and you've got a squad with you, you can go tag all the other green players to try and get your squad the win still. So you can still contribute to the game and still actually play. I think that's a really interesting element to it. And I've heard from several players that there is a little bit of prestige in being the top storm, even though you've been eliminated. So where do you find the prestige in that? Uh, there is actually an accolade at the end of the round that you play in where, you know, you get your soul surviving squad and the player's vests light up and flash and say, you're the soul survivor. But then the top storm player, which is the person uh, of the purple storm that has the most player tags as a storm player. Uh, they get an accolade that says you are the top storm player. And their uh, vest does the same thing. It glows, it flashes, all that kind of stuff. And it gets put up on all the displays in the arena. So, you know, they contributed and they you know, would have been just as dangerous as the top uh, green players out there. I personally go and play as Storm myself because whenever I walk into that arena, half the people in there know me. So I don't stand a very good chance at becoming the sole survivor. So I'm just like, yeah, I'll go for the purple Storm. That's fine. <laughs> Are there arenas outside of Buffalo and Rochester that are using this uh, Battle Royale as a tournament format? I'm not 100% certain on that. I know that the system does have it built in. I'm not 100% certain of other locations that are doing it as a tournament, though. Okay. Uh in the course of your time uh, as a Lasertron player, did you ever experience other tournament formats? Um, I was able to participate in the last, uh, I believe it was the World Championships tournament that uh, Lasertron held, um, which was between the Buffalo location and the, why can't I do, uh, the arena out at Circle C Ranch that uses the same system, but a bit, uh, or I believe it's a 10.5 system that they use. 
Okay. And I'm going to ask you to tell me a little bit more about this because I have heard stories and I haven't played. Well, actually I have played it at the ranch, but I didn't play mm -hmm. in this particular event, but is this the same event that I hear that there were uh, teams from Rochester and Buffalo uh, doing a challenge or is this something else? And maybe could you put a timeline to it? Similar. This was, oh boy, I want to say it was 20, well over 2013. One of those two. I can't remember exactly which summer it was, but it was a three-day event where it was teams of eight to 10 players. Um, the first day was at Buffalo and there were various game formats that were played, um, including elimination, um, of four team free for all. Um, there was a classic team base game. They didn't have all of the updated sectors and everything at the time. I don't believe, um, and there were a couple of other like tournament style games where they did like one-on-ones and uh, games similar to that. That was day one. Day two was out in Delavan. That's where that is. Mm -hmm. um, and that was using the 10.5 system. And it was more of a free-for-all with shields. And it was just highest team score at the end win. So it was a lot of like one-on-one, -on -one, what was called dog fights at the time, which essentially was just you and another person constantly leaning over one another to try and tag sensors before, like when your shields came down, similar time when there were, and also trying not to get tagged in that real quick time frame. Um, and it was just a whole bunch of scraps, just small areas around the arena where people were doing one-on-one -on -one fights with that. Um, and then like the rest of the day out there was whatever the camp had to offer the horseback riding, the pool, like all that kind of stuff. And then day three was like the finals back out in Buffalo and just a couple of like final games that were going on. I was an alternate that went on and played during that tournament. So I didn't really get to like put my whole team together and like come up with strategies. I was just kind of there and I was like, I'm going to fill in for whatever I can and just go. But that was like my first look at like the competitive scene where, you know, people had their, like their leans and like people were, you know, doing like, well, that's where I picked up mine. And I ended up learning how to hold people on a ramp. You can ask Emily about that. I think she finally figured out how to <laughs> combat my lean on a ramp. But for the longest time, like I was the person that if I was contesting a ramp, I had it. But yeah, that was uh, it was a good time. How many teams were involved and where did those players come from? Were they from they, all over? It was a very widespread thing. I know Massachusetts. Uh, we had a couple of players from there. I want to say uh, a decent number of teams that partake in Armageddon. Mm -hmm. Um partook in that one as it was like the it was at the time it wasn't thought of the last one but it was like a couple of years since one had happened so it it was like a big thing at the time because it hadn't happened in so many years um i want to say 10 to 12 teams maybe very good yeah and can you shed any light on what had happened to uh, not have it be for a couple of years or why there weren't tournaments in the meantime? 
Um, I think at least from the laser Tron perspective, and I caught like the tail end of like, I want to call it the drama, but like it was the drama. Um, I think it was mainly the owner's decision. Um, because the tournament would take up so many time slots during the day where revenue could be made and where, you know, you put two teams of eight, so 16 people into arena that can hold 46 to 48 players, depending on if it goes over, um, and only charging $175 a person for that tournament, that's not quite there for revenue. So I think that was like the ultimate, like, all right, the owner had the final say, so we really couldn't go past that. But that was just from what I understood. Then I know there was a whole thing that came later on with like the Battle Royale tournament and like, oh, you can do teams of four now and you can do all these people in the arena. And there was like some backlash there because people were like, oh, well, teams of eight aren't fine, but teams of four are okay. And, and there was a lot that went back and forth and I only kind of caught the back end of it. So fair enough. Did it yeah. seem though that the Battle Royale made more sense? Um, and, and, do you foresee is that something that might be an ongoing thing I, I have they held one recently or do they intend to hold more to your knowledge i want to say at the end of last calendar year was like some of the last ones um and the reason for that it, the tournament itself wasn't the problem like the game wasn't the problem it's a very competitive game but the way that the tournament was structured made it become an all or nothing scenario and so the way that the tournament structured, let's just get into that because maybe that'll be a little bit easier to explain. Over the course of a period of time, a person goes in with their squad and they just go and play in qualifying sessions, which eventually any battle royale session was a qualifying session just to get more people exposed to the tournament scene. You go in and you play in the game and based on where you rank, you get points toward a leaderboard. First place got six second place got four three two one and then any other participant past that got just one point for their squad the person that was designated the squad leader of your team held the points so if it was me you emily and cassidy and emily was the squad leader any points that we earned as a team of four would go to her but if you or I couldn't make a, a session for those points, Emily could fill in other players into that squad and she would still hold any points that they earned during that session. At the end of whatever period of time that is determined by the tournament, uh, the top 20 or so people on that leaderboard went to the actual tournament event where there was... And this is where I think the event itself probably could have been structured better. There was quarterfinal sessions where it would group, I want to say it was like the top 200 squads, if we got a total of 200 um, to sign in. The quarterfinals would run X number of squads in a session and Y squads would move on to the semifinals. Some squads got an automatic buy to the semifinals based on their leaderboard position, and some got a buy all the way to the finals. The quarterfinal sessions were just, all right, the top four squads in this session, or I shouldn't even say session, in this round, because it was just a single round played, 
the top four squads moved on to the quarter uh, semifinals. Anybody else? Sorry, that's it. Tournament runs done. Semifinals, same thing. Top four or five squads in this round move on to the finals. Everybody else, sorry, don't really have much for you. And the finals were the same way. First, second, and third got the prize money. Storm Leader also got, I think it was like a gift card or something like that, like $25 gift card or something along those lines. But the top three squads split the cash. Everybody else, sorry. But it was only a single round in all scenarios. So if something happened with the equipment or you know you got an unlucky recharger where you ended up having three teams on you immediately and you just got eliminated right out the bat, that's just kind of how it was. And I didn't love it when I was running it, but like that was what we had structured. So could it have worked potentially if there were a whole bunch of squads, like the 200 that were supposedly going to be signing up for this and like going through the tournament, it might've been interesting, but the single all or nothing rounds really didn't help. Um, I understand exactly what you're saying with that, because from my own personal experience with it, I, I believe I played in three of the tournaments and the very first one I was adopted onto a team that already had the buy into finals. Ah. Um, so I live a good distance away from the nearest Lasertron, so I didn't get mm-hmm. out there enough to earn any points on my own merit, but I did get adopted onto a team that had already qualified. And so it did surprise me the first time around that my part in the tournament was six minutes because we had already yes. gotten the bye to the finals, <laughs> so we already knew where we were and it was a six-minute yeah. round. Uh, and then I also found it interesting but nice for somebody in my situation that it you did require somebody on the team to have qualified, but then there were availabilities for adding in somebody who might not for whatever reason. And I remember on one occasion, I was driving through Ohio on a Sunday night, and I just realized <laughs> there's a tournament going on, and I'm going to pass right by. Let me call up Emily and see what's going on. Yep. <laughs> and totally out of the blue, I ended up in a tournament that night just because I happened to be passing by. So I found it yeah. interesting that there were uh, kind of structured guidelines like what you were saying but then at the same time you could just say hey grab whoever's driving by if you need another yeah player. exactly <laughs> it's um it was it was a concept to kind of make sure that we had as full of teams as possible and not lock squads in at the beginning of qualifiers like mm-hmm. all the way back when like let's say it's a uh calendar first to calendar 31st like if that's the time of the, the tournament if you need to decide your squad day one, but then also say, Hey, you need to be available through all of this for all of the qualifying sessions that we do and be here for the final tournament event. That's a lot of commitment for some people and like like real life things come up and people just don't have that much to put into it. So to avoid that the squad leader is the person that holds the points outside of that, they put in whoever they want. But like you said, little bit strange in some scenarios. (laughs) I will say as somebody who lives three and a half hours away, so couldn't play regularly, but wanted to experience what it was about. It was something that I appreciated that there was that option, but it is kind of a, an interesting scenario to set up, but, uh, but the tournaments 
seemed like a very cool idea. But outside of tournaments, there's so much to enjoy with Laser Tag and with Lasertron. I want to go back to something you were talking about because you mentioned the Lasertron Lean. And anybody who's played oh, is probably God, familiar yeah. with that, but maybe you could <laughs> describe it and maybe share, you know, how that plays into um, becoming a better player. And are there any tips or tricks or advice that you could give to somebody oh, yeah. who wants to improve their Lasertron game? So it it's interesting. The Lean is something that I is different between everyone everybody's got different body types body shapes body sizes it varies for myself i cover my shoulders cover is a bad word because you're not supposed to cover your sensors <laughs> but when i lean my objective is to get shoulders out of view of whoever could potentially be tagging me from a head-on angle mm-hmm. so i'll go and i'll throw the side of my body to them and I will just bring my shoulders all the way back and I'll fire from here. (laughs) What that does, um, the shoulder sensors, there's actually three sensors in each uh, shoulder, one that uh, faces each direction. And they're very good at picking up lasers from said directions. But off direction, they're not great at picking up. So you start changing that plane. The sensors looking here, here and here so now the person that's coming toward you from again from a specific direction has to either aim at the front of your phaser which is really only available if you're actively tagging them or has to find another way to tag you or a different angle because the front and the backs uh same thing only have one sensor directionally uh oriented so if I'm showing my side to you, the front's this way. You're not tagging <laughs> from my shoulder. You're not tagging my front or my back. It just won't register. So learning how to do that lean is like one step in the right direction. I generally try not to lean against like casual players. But when I start realizing like, oh, this person understands the game and they're kind of good at the game. I'll start doing it just like a little bit to give them a challenge see how that goes um mm-hmm. but that would probably be like one of my tips uh for anybody that wants to get more into like the laser tron competitive to like learn how your lean works and learn what works best for you because my lean is not going to work for every single person that walks in the door um i know a guy that again this was way back during that tournament he would go up the ramps backwards like head down the ramp rear in the other direction and walk up that way and lean underneath himself and tag under his armpit because that was his way that he leaned and i was like uh yep that's just as effective and i can't do anything about it um emily i think also goes more shoulder lean i know there was a player uh way back when pre-pandemic at least uh cage bill brendel's brother carl mm-hmm. um his lean is just up because he's tall so he just throws his shoulders back and the chest is just so it's not hard to tag necessarily but once you start angling it it becomes much more difficult so he can be like this have his full front exposed to you and not you wouldn't be able to tag him just because the shoulders are gone that's like the shoulders are the big thing. I tell everybody aim for the shoulders because those have the most sensors, easiest to tag, easiest to register, all that kind of stuff. But 
once you take those out of the picture, you suddenly are a lot harder to tag. <laughs> Absolutely. Makes sense. Yeah. Any other advice that you can think of for, uh, for anybody, not just uh, maybe a new player or uh, somebody who, like I say, wants to just up their game a bit. Any thoughts? Um, play regularly. I don't want to say like play every single day because you definitely don't need to do that. But go in once a week, once every other week, once a month is still enough to like keep the quote unquote muscle memory there, especially for leans, all that kind of stuff. Learn how to use the phaser. I mean that in the nicest way possible. Some people just struggle with it. and That's fine. Buttons in front, hold the buttons down, hold the trigger. That's all it is. <laughs> It'll fire for you. You don't have to worry about it. And learn to recognize when it's good to use your modes or your power-ups that you have because you get to activate them yourself. Um, that was a recent, recent as of, I don't know, five, six years ago. You can activate your modes from your phaser now as opposed to getting random modes activated throughout the arena. Um, they've also now moved on to a laser pulse-based system. So sort of like an ammo uh, economy where start of the game, you get X number of laser pulses of these different modes. You can switch into and out of them at will. So if you want to go into hyperfire, fire twice as fast for 30 of your laser pulses, realize that there's nobody around anymore, switch out of that into bonus mode, go immediately to the base and start tagging it for triple points, switch back out of bonus mode, switch into spy because there's an enemy nearby. You can do all of that at the same time frame. And as long as you have laser pulses of a mode and energy units as a whole, you can just switch into and out of those. Very good advice. And I think that the whole uh, modes and chips thing has kind of evolved over time. Am I right Oh, yeah. And it's only becoming more so with the battle royale they've introduced supply drops which now any sectors around the arena that aren't being actively used for some purpose of the game can potentially drop these laser pulses of these different modes so you can replenish those that you had so even if you used all of your uh blaster mode for example that does three to five energy units per tag you can now replenish those um, as you're going throughout the arena. You keep referencing modes. Is chips a terminology that is still used? And could you talk about what chips even is yeah. and what that stands chips, for? Ch oh, <laughs> I don't know the acronym off the top of my head. I've tried to find it for years and have not been able to find the exact acronym. But chips, special modes, power-ups, modes, they're all referencing the same thing. And those are different abilities that you can activate during the game. <laughs> How much in recent times has uh, has have the modes changed uh, as you're talking about uh, as you're talking about how you can select your own? Um, the actual selection method, I would say, uh, whenever I want to say when they did the upgrades to the arena to get like sectors involved to do like the different game types like headquarters and domination and all of those games. I think that's about the same time when they did the select your own power ups, maybe even a little bit before that. Um, but the power ups, the chips, they used to be timed. So way back when I want to say way back because it's not really that far well, now that I think about it. But when I first started playing, there were 
two chips or modes in the game and they were randomly assigned to a certain percentage of each team every, I don't know, minute, minute and a half, something like that. It used to be Energizer Deactivator. Those were like the two that were always paired together or like Force Field and Rapid Fire were always paired together. Um, Spy and Stealth, I think, was another pairing. Um, But basically, like every couple of months, they would change which modes were in the arena. When you got a mode, you had you got extra laser pulses and extra energy units in that mode, and it lasted for a certain amount of time, usually about 30 seconds, or until you run out of your laser pulses or energy units. Whatever of those scenarios happened first, then you got knocked out of the mode. They then went to, okay, you can activate them whenever you want, and you would get a rapid fire mode that lasted for 30 seconds 300 laser pulses and 20 energy units and it was still timed recently um and i want to say this was probably within the last year when started looking into supply drops that's when they went on to ammo economy for modes where your modes are a set number of laser pulses that you get at the beginning of the game and whenever you pick up a supply drop and your energy units are completely independent of that. So anytime you recharge, you get 15 energy units, no matter what. But then you can switch into rapid fire for this many laser pulses. Spy mode for this many laser pulses. And as long as you had laser pulses of the mode and energy units to be active, you could in theory be in that mode for the entirety of the game as long as you didn't run out of your laser pulses to your energy units. Because if you run out of energy units while you are in a mode, you lose any remaining laser pulses that you had of it. So it's like a high risk, high reward sort of thing. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, shifting gears a little bit. Now, this podcast is all about hearing laser tag stories. And it's been my experience that uh, people who've been staff for laser tag definitely have seen it all. So I wonder if you could tell me if there are any really outrageous, funny stories that come to mind that you've either been a part of or witnessed uh, while you were being involved in laser tag. There is a single story <laughs> that tops all. Oh, I want to hear it. it. There, you know, there are the stories of like people that get mad over things. There are people that get like super excited about things. And like, I, you know, there are a handful of times where it was like, oh, I, you know, helped a person understand the game a little bit better. And then afterwards they were like, oh my God, that was amazing. I had no idea what was going on. And like those little things are what you live for. But this one just tops the cake. So round one of like, Team base, classic laser tag, tag the bases, get the points, that sort of thing. Round ends. Guy on the red team comes up to me and he's like, um, there's a guy on the other team wearing his pack inside out. And I'm like, what? I don't know how much you know about like the laser tron vest, but they are somewhat rigid in the way that they are. It's not exactly an easy thing to just like flip the other way and then buckle. Right. So I'm like, all right, maybe this guy's just seeing things. I don't know. It, we'll go take a look. Round two starts. I'm walking around on the green side. Can't find anything. I'm like, this shouldn't be that hard to find a person with their pack on inside out. I'm like walking around and I'm like, I don't see anything. Round ends and I just wait at the recharges to see what's going on. 
And this guy walks back. His vest, he is currently wearing. Now it's a vest. Goes over your head and you buckle the sides. Mm-hmm. Pretty self-explanatory. This guy's got his pack with the front sensor on his right hip, the back sensor on his left hip, and the shoulders up and down his spine buckled around the front of him. And I'm like, <laughs> sir, that, that no, that's not how you wear that. I'm like, I, I've been known as the type of person at Lasertron, like there's the professional like customer service that you do but I play laser tech. I get into it. Poke fun at people every now and then. Like, I'm not there to be prim and proper. I'm there to make sure people have a good time. Mm-hmm. So I just go up to, I'm like, no. And he's like, well, well, my back was getting sweaty. And I'm like, the- <laughs> that's kind of, yes, that does happen. You're right. I, I can't fault you you're not incorrect in this statement but that's not how you wear that and he's like oh <laughs> and at that point i lost it i turned around and i went out to uh matt who's now uh gm but one of the managers of the time i'm like you need another person in there i can't deal with that right now. i'm like dying <laughs> laughing like i just need a couple minutes i'll be back it's just oh that one is great I, that will always and forever be like the top <laughs> thing that I have witnessed in that arena. Oh, it was so good. <laughs> well, it takes all. Uh-huh. Yep, it certainly does. Okay, so that's your top story. Anything else kind of funny or outrageous over the years come to mind? Other or maybe than- something totally absurd, like... Uh, I know laser tag players are known for their trash talk. Maybe somebody has said something really absurd or what's the most absurd thing you've heard or maybe had to retort back to somebody. There were sparing the times where somebody got a bit too heated and needed to be removed because everybody's there for a good time. Let's all Um, remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Some people, it's sometimes harder with others and they get very into it. And I don't blame them for that. But then when they start acting out on other people with that, that's when we have a problem. Um, No, like it's just such a wide span of like, I've heard it all. So like nothing phases me at this point because I have heard all sorts of trash talking to the point where I'm like, some of those are like, not really trash talking but you're trying um not necessarily trash talk but i just wonder if something totally absurd has gotten thrown out there that just sticks in your mind and you're like wow i'll never forget that apparently not because i have forgotten all of them (laughs) it's it's the i guess it's like i could always go to the absurd questions that i get start with that then of like the general of wait what am i doing again after like the briefing video the verbal explanation from the ref and like this is how you fire your phaser like this is how things work and then even after all that i get people in there that are just doing this and i'm like no you get you gotta hold the buttons in the front of it and they're like oh i didn't know that i'm like 
you knew that you did <laughs> you had to know that um there was one there was one person i can't remember any sort of code name or anything at this point but i do remember that every time he went into the arena he would always go like try to get his whole team to rally around him with like spy mode and rapid fire and all this kind of stuff. But then just go to the other team and be like, Shh, I'm in spy mode. And just like, <laughs> I'm like, that defeats the, <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> but just like all, just these, it's a whole bunch of small things. That, like, it's absolutely people just getting caught up in the game or people, like, not realizing something was part of it. Um, I had one person that was standing over at, like, the opposite recharger that they were supposed to be at, not knowing why they couldn't recharge. And I'm like, the rest is red. This recharger and the entirety of the obstacle and structure of it is green let's put two and two together or just like <laughs> things like that, where it's just like the, the not all cognizant moment of, Oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, well, we've all had those moments. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Myself included. <laughs> uh, but those are some great stories. And those are the memories that you take with you wherever you go in life. You'll always remember that this story from way back in the day at laser tag. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That that fast, I will never forget. <laughs> it's Very just cool. one of those things. Well, it sounds like you certainly took away some interesting experiences. Um, did you ever take away some tag swag? Like, do you have a collection of laser tag at all? Uh, I would not necessarily call it a collection, but just the uh, various memorabilia that I've had from working there. I've got sitting here at this computer i've got a laser tag card they are all over my house i've got a handful of pens i've got all the polos i still have my name tag like all this sort of stuff like just as an employee there mm -hmm. that you just pick up over the years you walk out with a random pencil or something like that in your pocket and you're like oh well this is here now and <laughs> i don't necessarily collect anything but i have a collection <laughs> gotcha very cool yeah. Well, it's been very cool to hear some of these stories from in the trenches at Lasertron. And uh, I'd love to wrap up with a little bit of rapid fire tag talk where I fire some questions at you real fast and you uh, fire your answers right back. You game sure. for it? I'm down. All right. Favorite laser tag system of all time? Lasertron, probably. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Favorite haven't gotten arena? to experience many. Oh, favorite arena? Mm. Buffalo only by a small hair. Okay. Coolest person you've met through laser tag. Matt Greco, current GM of Buffalo. Coolest place you've gotten to visit because of laser tag. Probably the Delavan Ranch. I'm just going to pause here in the middle of rapid fire tag talk yeah. and just give them a shout out because those guys at circle C, first of all, they have a very unique setup and it is. I, 
I had an opportunity <laughs> by total chance to just drop in on them completely unexpected. And we played some tag and uh, yeah, maybe just as a shout out to them, could you explain what their situation is? Uh, as the camp as a whole or? Well, uh, uh, the fact just that like they the have Lasertron in the middle of their yeah. camp is very unique. I think, oh God, this was a while ago. They bought, they bought an old system from Buffalo. Like Buffalo upgraded and they took what was left over. And then I think they got a couple more small upgrades outside of that. And then I don't know where they're currently. I haven't talked to them a couple of years, nor been out there. But I would imagine they're still running the 10.5 system unless they might have upgraded uh, to an 11 at some point. No, but I it feel was like, like what I experienced a few years ago. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's the LEDs, the LED readout down on the chest with your score and like all that kind of stuff. Like that was the, I believe that was the 10.5 system. I just always found it really interesting that, you know, a camp that's essentially a private camp and not operating as a laser tag business yeah. has a full laser tag right in the middle of it. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely one of the uh, drawing points for me going there when I was younger. Like that was like, oh, they have laser tag there. That's cool. Let's go. Like, I wish I just got to play it more when I was there. That was my only gripe with it. <laughs> well, very cool situation they have as far oh, yeah. as that goes. And uh, so I want to shout them out because they were wonderful and uh, great hosts when I visited. Yes. Totally unexpectedly, just as I'm passing through Western New York. Yep. Uh, so back to rapid fire tag talk. Biggest prize that you've ever won. A t-shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, I, like I said, that tournament that I did, I did not get very far. I was a filler. So, <laughs> but it was or still fun. Uh, favorite tournament you've been in? Uh, probably that one, because that's been my only one. I do want to try and get into Armageddon this coming year, now that I have time to do so, but we'll see. Awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Armageddon, too. Definitely a great place yes. to, uh, to uh, get into all different systems of laser tag. And we'll wrap up with the most important one. Favorite snack at the concession stand? Oh, uh toss up between the mozzarella sticks or a soft pretzel with marinara oh i love a soft pretzel although i've got to say the gelato was really good too oh god rochester yes if we're going there 100 percent the gelato no question <laughs> excellent well thank you so much for taking some time to talk with me that's brad pocan joining me today for some laser unfocused tag talk thank you brad yep absolutely anytime Thanks for checking out this episode of Laser on Focus Tag Talk. Listen for more episodes on the first and third Friday of each month. Want to be a guest on an upcoming episode? Find out more and follow my blog and website at tibiachickloveslasertag.com. 